Welcome to the FFGF Podcast. We are located in Fredericksburg, Virginia, and our mission is for you to know God and make Him known. We pray this message blesses you today. If you'd like more information about our ministry or how you can partner with us, please go to fredfulgospel.com. Thanks for listening. I was observing so many singing out, and uh, I hear a lot of churches don't have congregational singing. Uh, I've never been to a lot of churches. I've been here for 30 years. Can you imagine? So the thing is, but I, I was seeing the joy on your faces and hearing your exuberant singing, and I thought, well, either two things. Either one, God is real to you, or you're crazy. So, I think it's the first. God is real, and he's changed us, and he's given us something to shout about, something to sing about, a hope in our hearts that's eternal. Thank God we're not just having forms of religion. Our motto as our church is to know him. You know, God wants us to know him. And then when you know him, you will make him known because you won't be able to contain it. And how this world, how America needs to have Jesus Christ. And so this morning I want to speak about that the way into the holiest or the holy of holies has been opened. I was interested that the first song that our music team sang it reminded us that the veil had been torn asunder. That's tremendously significant, folks, and we're going to look at that from the book of Hebrews. Now, some of the things I might say might seem like I'm anti-Semitic, but I am not, because if it wasn't for the Jewish nation, we would not have Christ. And they were the first ones to follow Jehovah, and they were the ones from whom the Savior came, as we know. And everything in Israel was a picture of what God was going to do in perhaps a different way in this New Testament time. And how appreciative I am for that nation, how much I feel we ought to pray and support and loving interest in their cause, and thank God for them. But the Hebrews is a very interesting book, the book of Hebrews, because it compares Old Testament with New Testament. And it shows us the very great difference there is. For instance, in the Old Testament, the veil was there. It separated the people from God. In fact, there were three parts of the old tabernacle, of the tabernacle of Moses. There was the outer court, there was the holy place, and there was the holy of holies. The people were only allowed into the outer court. The priests were allowed into the holy place. And we're going to talk a little more about this later. Only the high priest and just once a year was allowed in to the holy of holies. Now I've often said if I had a room in my house, by the way, which I do, which I don't visit and I don't go in, it's probably not a very, 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 very important room to you. And yet this Holy of Holies was the most important place. And yet access was not open. I want to give you a description of Old Testament and New Testament. How many have ever had 
perhaps family members who have served in the armed service in one capacity or another. Okay, thank many of you. And so just imagine if it's your son and daughter and they're in Afghanistan, they're in harm's way, you don't see them, you haven't heard them for them for a long time and you're wondering how your child or grandchild is and you're real burdened from them. And then all of a sudden what happens is the mailman comes and he delivers a piece of mail and thank God it's for you, from your loved one. And you open that mail and there's a beautiful picture and they're happy and they're smiling, they're well, and there's a letter, you read that letter, you put that picture right on your bedside and you're just so thankful, thank you Lord. That's Old Testament, great isn't it? New Testament's a little different. The doorbell rings and you open the door and you embrace that loved one. They've come home. New Testament is relationship. Old Testament was a picture of the true. That's what Hebrews says. And so I want to show you some of the wonderful pictures that Jesus, our Jewish Messiah, has accomplished, not just for Gentile, but Jew and Gentile. The middle wall of partition has been torn down between us. He is made of twain, one body, so making peace. God wants us to recognize that in a very, very, very special way. But I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 10 with me. And in Hebrews chapter 10, I'd like verse 19 and 20 up on the screen. And I'd like us to read it together because this is perhaps the most important verse of my uh, talk today. And so we want to read Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 and 20, all right? Together, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. Now here it says, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Now the reason why we can enter in is because full provision has been made. And we're going to talk about the full provision, which is very, very, very important. Because when you think of the Old Testament, the sacrifices were inadequate. Why were the sacrifices inadequate? Because an animal does not have a living soul. An animal has not been made in the image of God. An animal does what human nature tells them, and not mother nature tells them, and they do the things that just their natural being tells them, but they don't do the will of God. They don't please God or they don't displease God. So how would it be possible that an animal could take away sins? Well, that animal was a type of something that would come. Remember when Jesus came, John the Baptist looked at him and he said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Turn me down. <laughs> I'm real, and there's a lot more from it. And so anyway, Jesus was the light of the world that takes away, excuse me, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Those animal sacrifices were accepted of God because they were pointing to that ultimate sacrifice. Now, if you don't believe that, 
Look at verse 9, chapter 12. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. And so Jesus' blood was the blood that rent the riving veil, the, the veil, and we recognize on the cross when he shed his blood, one of the things that happened, there were a number of things that happened. Remember the earthquake, remember the darkness. I like the thief on the cross. Folks, it doesn't take a long time to get saved. Just look to Jesus and say, have mercy. Amen. That's all that guy said. He didn't even say the sinner's prayer. He didn't say it right. You know, I don't think God is interested in performance. He just wants us to reach out with our hearts to him. That thief on the cross said, Lord, remember me. And the Lord said, this day you shall be with me in paradise. I like the centurion. When he saw the earthquake, he humbled himself. He bowed. And he said, truly, this was the Son of God. But not only did man proclaim him that day, the nature proclaimed him. Nature proclaimed. It said that the graves of many that slept were raised when Jesus was crucified. We don't think of that. That seems like an awesome thing. But another thing, and my most significant today, is it says the veil of the temple. Jesus wasn't in the temple. He was at Golgotha. He was far away from the temple. But it says the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. Wow. What does that mean, folks? That means God himself. Hallelujah. Send forth the Messiah because he wanted relationship with you. And he couldn't do it any other way but sending a man to conquer sin. You see, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everyone in this room is a sinner. Aren't you glad you came to church to have the pastor call you a sinner? Well, I'm not blaming you. I was born a sinner too. In Adam we all die. Death passed upon all men. We're born that way. But thank God, God sent Jesus, who was the Son of God. But it was not just the Son of God. Listen, he was the Son of Man. It says in Hebrews, it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren. It took a man to redeem mankind. It took a man who would be sinless because he could not die for our sins if he sinned. And so Jesus was the only man who did the perfect will of the Father. Come on, someone say amen. You got to start getting excited. I'm going to get you excited. Hallelujah. So what happens is after his resurrection and his ascension, he arrives in heaven. The picture of it is in Revelation chapter 5. Thank God for Revelation. It's not all stuff that is prophesied for the future. Some of it's happened. Jesus' coronation service starts in Revelation 5. There's crying in heaven. No man's found worthy. No one can open up the book. No one can loose the seals. That book is the book of salvation or redemption. But then the angel said, wait, there's one here. The lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus was the tribe of Judah. And it says as a lamb who had been slain, Jesus was that lamb, that full completion of those sacrifices and he took the book it calls him the son of David the root of David it says he took that book and he opened those seven seals why because he was the only man found worthy and his blood could be efficacious for you because he died he died for the sins of the whole world say amen he bore in his body my sins on the tree how about yours you better say thank you Jesus 
And so, the Father looking down from heaven the day Jesus was crucified, the thing that God wanted was people to be restored back to his likeness and fellowship. We spoke that a few weeks ago. God has not just saved us to forgive us. He's not just saved us to wear Sunday morning clothes. He's not just saved you to get wet in the baptismal tank. And I believe in church. And I believe in water baptism. In fact, we're going to have one here soon. Hallelujah. But God wants to restore you. God wants to fill you with his love. God wants to bring you into the holy place. You're not to live in that outer court. God did something for us the day Jesus died. He rent that veil in twain. And now you can come into the very presence of God. We're going to develop this a little bit further, but look at verse 6 of Hebrews chapter 9. It says, Now when these things were thus ordained, the priest went always into the first tabernacle accomplishing the service of God. That's verse 9, so verse 6 of chapter 9. The priests that went in there were just the regular priesthood, and the first tabernacle, of course, was the holy place. But look at what it says in 7. But into the second, which is the holiest of all, the high priest went alone every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins of the people. Look what verse 8 says. The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle standed, which was a figure of the true. So what's really being said here is that in the Old Testament time, there was provision, there was a covering for sin, the blood was shed, their sins were covered for a year, but the provision, the full victory was not wet won. Restoration for mankind was not yet fully accomplished. The only one who could accomplish that was Jesus Christ. In Adam we all die, in Christ we made alive. In Adam we shall bear the image of the earthly, but in Jesus Christ we're gonna bear the image of the heavenly. We have something better, folks, something God has provided to get right inside of you. Get right into the place where the corruption is. It's not what we dress that makes us sinful. It's who we are. Thank God, God came right through Jesus. His spirit comes right inside where the problem is. Because he won the victory. Hallelujah. Because I was buried with him and you were too by baptism into death. Is that not so? My sins were laid upon him and we were in the grave with him. But thank God death couldn't hold him. Peter said in his first sermon, it was impossible that the pangs of death lay hold on Jesus because he did no sin. So on that third day, the ground began to shake. The stone was rolled away. And Jesus came out of that grave. And you came out with him. And the power of your sin was broken. You weren't just whitewashed. You were changed from glory to glory. You became a new creature in Christ Jesus. Let's say it together. If any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creature. All old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. How did God make Adam and Eve? Kind of half-hearted? Or did they walk with God? Were they made in his image? 
And yet through the fall, there became a real problem. We're all products of the fall, but thank God, God has brought back salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to talk a little bit about those sacrifices again. I'm going to come down here and stroll a little bit. Hallelujah. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10, all right? Look what it says about Jesus in verse 6. Actually, the sacrifices first. It says, In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. God was not really pleased in these animal sacrifices, but he took them. He received them. They were precious in his sight because the Father glories in the Son. Thank God, folks. In fact, you're not even... God loved you, but the one who he honors is the Son because the Son did the perfect will of God. Look what it says in verse 7. Then said I, this is a prophecy from the Psalms of Jesus, Lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Thank God. Jesus said... In John chapter 8, verse 29, he said, I always do the things that please the Father. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. In the garden, when Jesus was looking at Calvary, and he knew Moses and Elijah already told him of the suffering. He knew Isaiah 53. He knew his countenance would be marred. He knew he would bear the sins of many. He knew about the whipping, and yet he said, Lord, not my will... But thy will be done. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ did the will of the Father. Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. Look at verse 10. I want you to read that with me. You ready? Verse 10. It says, By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. I'm going to read verse 11. And every priest stands, stands daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifice which can never take away sin. Now listen to this, verse 12. Let's look at it together. I'll read it. But this man, who's that man? But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Jesus today is expecting till every enemy be made his footstool. He has won the victory and he's on your side. Sometimes we approach God like this. Oh God, I need this. I want this. Almost like he doesn't want to do it. Almost like we have to beg him. Look, you don't have to beg your child when he knocks on the door, rings the doorbell, and he's hungry, and he's gotten into harm's way. I think we're all like that father of the prodigal son. We're glad when our children come home. And we're honored when they come to mom and dad because we love them more than anyone else. Are you with me, church? Well, you have a heavenly father that loves you more than anyone else, and he wants to meet you. He's happy when you come home, Kenny. Kenny came home the other day. He came into our prayer meeting. Fifteen minutes he gave his heart to the Lord. Let's pray for Kenny. God wants everyone to come home. He wants to do good things for everyone. You don't have to beg God. You don't have to twist his arm. You just got to get right in relationship. Get rid of the sin. Turn from it. Come to Jesus Christ. He'll knock you out with blessing. Hallelujah. He'll so bless you and knock your socks off. Some young people, oh, I got to give up the world. Give up what? Drugs? Unclean living? What do I have to give up? The world, the flesh, and the devil? 
For the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost? I get to give up hell for eternity? I get to give up sadness and sorrow for walking with Jesus who's in me and who is life and life more abundantly? Church, the world has it wrong and America has lost its way. And the church is not preaching the right message. They're preaching religion. Jesus came to bring relationship. That veil of the temple was rent in twain. So let me finish. I don't even need my notes. I got this one. Hey. Hallelujah. Praise God. Outer court. All right. A lot of Christians choose to live in the outer court. You're not supposed to live in the inner court. That's why the veil was open. Now, I mentioned earlier, if you remember, it was quite a while ago now, that only the people could go, the people could only go in the outer court, not the holy place, not the holiest of all. Who went in the holy place? Just a little example. Who was listening? The priests. And who went into the holiest of all? Who went in there? High priest. How many times a year? Once. You got it. You got it. You got it. There's a picture here, folks. And if there wasn't a picture for us, Hebrews wouldn't talk about it, and that veil wouldn't have been opened. So it's significant. Ah. And so what do you have in the outer court? First thing you have is you have the door. Jesus said, I am the door. There are a number of pictures on that door. That door didn't describe anyone in the world except his son. Blue, the son of God. White, pure and sinless. Purple, royalty. Gold, deity. Red, shed blood. There's no way into God's presence but through the door. Hallelujah. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's no other name under heaven by which we might be saved but the name Christ Jesus. I'm compassionate to those in other religions. I understand sincerity. I honor that. But I remember one southern fellow had a daughter who said, Well, how do we know that Jesus is the only way? And he said, Well, he was the only one that was raised from the dead. I've never heard a better answer. <laughs> I've never heard a better answer. He's the only one. And that is only raised from the dead. He's seated at the right hand. All power in heaven and earth being given unto him. So we go through the door and then we come to the brazen altar. Brass in the Bible is a type of judgment. It is the metal that depicts judgment. That brazen altar is a type of Calvary. It was there where the sacrifices were consumed. Jesus died on the cross. We need to come in believing to him and then come to Calvary. Is that not so? I don't know why you're not excited. I should have taken you out for breakfast today. Don't ask me with that. And then after the brazen altar, we came to water, the washing of the water, perhaps baptism. That's the labor. That's a wonderful thing. I'm thankful for Jesus being the door, right? I'm thankful for Calvary. Can you say amen? I'm thankful to be washed. The water of the word and water baptism. But there's a deeper place. I go into the holy place. Are you with me now? I'm taking you in. You weren't able to go in, but I'm taking you in with me today. And we're going into the holy place. And we look to the left, and there's the candlestick. The only light in that holy place. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that believes in me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. 
Now not only are we coming through the eternal blood and the water of baptism, we're coming into restoration. That light of the world diffuses and eradicates my darkness. How many know that there's great darkness, great evil, and great demon powers lodging in people's souls today? The whole society, it seems, is becoming dysfunctional. And we, we're not thinking, we're reprobate of mind. Even Christians struggle with things in the past. I want to tell you, Jesus is the light of the world and he will remove your darkness. He will take those demon bondages out of you and he will fill you with light, his presence. And if I look to the right, there's showbread. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I want to read you this verse, folks. It's John chapter 6. It says this, John chapter 6, verse 51, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give him, I will give for the life of the world. He that eateth eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. That bread is a type of his word. His word transforms you. Jesus is the bread of life. Then if you go right before the veil, what article of furniture did we have there? Who can tell me? You have the table of showbread to the right. You have the candle to the left. And right before the veil, you have the altar of incense where perfect incense and praise was ascended to God. <clears throat> Folks, when God comes to you and he becomes your light and you begin to feast on him, you get real, real close to that veil and you begin to become a worshiper. Oh, gee. Hallelujah. Something happens on the inside. On the outer court, it's provision. On the inner court, it begins to be relationship. I should say, in the holy place. You begin to be a partaker. God wants us to partake of him. I can't give it to you. God has purchased it. The Holy Ghost will impart it to your life. Ah, you're starting to get it. I can feel it. Preachers can feel with their feet. Yeah. All right, one other thing. The veil, it separates. The very presence of God is there. I can't go in. I hope the high priest represents going in for us in the Old Testament and thank God for it. But our Jesus came. Hallelujah. And he perfectly did the will of the Father. He kept that blood unadulterated. And he offered that eternal spirit. And when he died, death had no more legal right. God, through his son Jesus Christ, himself took his own hands. And he ripped that thing. Hallelujah. So, Old Testament. People in the outer court. Priests in the holy place. High priests in the holiest of all. It says in Hebrews chapter 8, New Testament, I will write my laws in their hearts and in their minds. 
No longer table of stone. Table of stone doesn't change me. But the finger of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Reading something of what God wants me to be like doesn't change me. But he puts his laws right inside of us. And then it says, New Testament, for all shall know me. Not just high priest. Not priest. Not people with limited access. Listen to this. For all shall know me from the least to the greatest. And their sins and iniquities I will remember no more forever. And so the way, folks, for you to have relationship, many of you probably think, oh, I heard about holy people who had this gift or have this blessing or this faith and they walk with God in this way, but I can't have that because I'm a businessman. I'm a lawyer. Well, maybe you're a lawyer. You might have some trouble. I have some sort of a different call. I am not called to be that way. Folks, you are. You are. You have everything at your disposal that God has purchased for you. You just need to want it. Some folks are lazy. Come to church, dress right, do all the right things. And that's all good, especially dressing right. <laughs> Baby, what are you with me? How... How about we take a walk into the holiest of all today? I know it will happen. I know. We'll be bowed. We'll be in awe of who he is. We won't want to go out. The secret place of the most high. God has opened it for every Christian to live in that place. God, give us a hunger today. God, give us a thirst to come into what you really have intended for us. God, give us that experience of going in through the blood of the Lamb. Going to that place of fellowship. That place, oh, where the power of God is so mighty, we see him as he is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many, does this resonate with you? I felt God gave it to you. If you feel like you want to come in deeper, I want you to stand today, all right? that you worked it out Father where sin is dethroned where Lord Jesus we can open up and have you live in us and we can come into your presence God I pray that you'll give us hunger for that place a greater thirsting to seek you Lord to desire to live in the victory that you have oh God I pray today draw us and we will run after you get every one of us a renewed hunger renewed thirst. 
in Jesus' name. Oh, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. You know, the Bible says, ask and it shall be given unto you. Lord, we've been hearing about that inner sanctuary. Lord, that place, that abiding place where Christ alone abides. And Lord, you're calling us to abide in you, to walk in you, to live for you in your presence. Hallelujah. Lord, we're not satisfied. Lord, just living in this world and trusting you. But God, we want to live in your presence. Lord, we want you to live in us and us in you. And Lord, that we're in contact and touch with you at all times. Lord, we know this is the great call. And Lord, we pray that you'll touch each one of us in this place. Make yourself more real. Lord, we bow before you and we say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Lord, we thank you. We worship you and we do adore you and we want you to be our everything. Lord, we just tell you today that we all belong all together to you. We're absolutely given to you 100%, Lord. Now take us as we are and make us what you want us to be in body, soul, and spirit. Have your will and way over our lives. Don't let us go our own way. Don't let us have our own ideas or thoughts. But Lord, we pray that you will come and work out your will and plan. We thank you, Lord, for your great love. Oh, he loves you so much. He loves us with an everlasting love. And he doesn't give up on us, but he keeps calling us and drawing us and saying, come, I want to fill you with my joy. I want to fill you with my love. I want to reveal myself to you in a new way. And Lord, today we just surrender and we say, come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen. Amen.